Greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. Hey folks, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. And I just want to take some time to kind of get some thoughts out there with you all. Recently, I had the opportunity of going and seeing my nephew take command of a artillery battalion there at Joint Base Lewis and McCord, something that he watched me do 21 years ago. And it was just so great to be back on an Army installation. And it's the exact same installation back then. It was known as Fort Lewis, Washington in 1982, where I went through the ROTC advanced camp. And after completing that six to seven week advanced camp, it's kind of like ROTC cadet boot camp training. I came back and I was commissioned as an officer in the United States Army. So Fort Lewis has some really deep connections with me. And also my nephew, Lieutenant Colonel H. Bernard West III, he went through ROTC advanced camp at Fort Lewis. So it was kind of nice to drive over to North Fort Hood area where there used to be the old World War II barracks where we were housed when we were ROTC cadets. But now that's where his headquarters is for his battalion. The 1st Battalion, the 94th Field Artillery Regiment, High Mars, High Mobility Artillery Rocket System. And the interesting thing about him taking command of a High Mars battalion, and he also commanded a High Mars battery, was that as the operations officer of the 18th Field Artillery Brigade Airborne at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, we fielded the very first High Mars test platoon, three launchers, and we were very uh, instrumental in developing the tactics, the techniques, and the procedures for the implementation and the implementation of the artillery rocket system and how they would be delivered onto the battlefield. And so it was just a great thing to be there to see him taking command of 400 soldiers. It's just good to be around soldiers. But I just got to ask, what is going on with our military, with some of our senior leaders? Now, let me frame this in a means that you can understand. It is not a right to be a soldier, sailor, airman, marine, space force, whatever you call them, and Coast Guardsman. It's, it's not a right. It's a privilege to be able to wear the uniform that on one side says United States Army, United States Marine Corps, United States Air Force, United States Navy, United States Coast Guard, United States Space Force, and have your last name on the other side. Although I think we should continue with referring to people as sir and ma'am. But understanding that it's a privilege to serve in the military, we have an all-volunteer force. People raise their right hand and say, I want to get some of this. But there's still standards. If you want to talk about a discriminatory organization, it's the United States military. I mean, you have to be a certain height. You have to be a certain weight. 
You cannot have any certain medical conditions, you know, asthma or flat feet. You know, I thought I was a pretty strapped troop back in the day, but I was not at the height requirement to be a member of the 3rd Infantry Regiment, which is known as the Old Guard in Washington, D.C. You had to be 5 feet 11 or taller. 5 feet 11, I think, to 6'1", to 6'2". I'm only 5'9". Not going to change the standard. That's just how it is. So when I see leaders in the United States military right now that really seem to be confused about what the mission of the military is. The mission of the military is to fight and win the nation's wars. Unfortunately, we haven't been doing too good here recently, especially when you think about the debacle in Afghanistan. We need to get back to understanding our core competencies in the military, what it means to be a soldier, what it means to be a Marine, a sailor, an airman, member of the Space Force. I'm still struggling with what you call them, space cadets, spaceies, I don't know, Coast Guardsmen. And, you know, hopefully no one's going to get upset because I said Coast Guardsmen, but that means all members of the United States Coast Guard. But recently, some of the articles that have come out about what our senior military leaders are doing, especially, again, in this month of June, this pride thing, let me tell you something. When you put on that uniform, that's your pride. You are part of a brotherhood, a sisterhood. We band of brothers that is truly indicative of the one percenters of the United States of America, those people who have taken the oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, to bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that they took that obligation freely without any purpose of mental reservation, mental evasion or reservation, purpose of evasion of mental reservation, so help me God. I got it. That's it. No one's coerced into doing that. No one's intimidated into doing that. We don't round people up in the streets. There's not a draft. It's a privilege to say, I want some. I want to be one of those. But when I see, like, the headlines here of this article, Space Force General decries anti-LGBTQ plus alphabet soup mafia laws at Pentagon Pride event claims they affect hiring decisions. Lieutenant General Deanna Burt, Commanding General of the Space Force, says such laws, such as what's been passed here in Texas to protect children 18 years of age and, and below, she says this is dangerous for members of the military. I mean, members of the military are 18 years of age and above. But the, the thing that I'm looking at is we have the top talent in the nation. We must enable them to perform their missions by ensuring they're not worried about the health and safety of their families, a Pentagon official said. The Department of the Air Force recognizes the various laws and legislation are being proposed and passed in states across America that may affect LGBTQ airmen, guardians, or their LGBTQ dependents in different ways. Look, the mission, Space Force, whatever, Air Force, you're supposed to be out there defending the country. I don't think China's worrying about some LGBTQ plus IA alphabet mafia soup 
issue. And furthermore, I mean, we should not be focusing on what states are passing to protect, to protect their kids. You're the commanding general of the Space Force. You know, maybe you should make sure we don't have Chinese spy balloons flying over our airspace. And I don't know what level altitude Space Force is worried about, but maybe you should be worried about cybersecurity so we don't have all these cyber attacks. You should not be worried about the whole LGBTQIA plus thing. See, when was it that all of a sudden senior military leaders got involved in ideological agendas? That ain't your business. You can say that West is a bigot, West is a hater. No, I'm not. But let me tell you something about West when he was in the military. I put people out of the military because they couldn't run fast enough. Couldn't pass PT tests, physical training tests. They couldn't maintain the right type of height weight standards. They had too many DUIs. Or even they bounced too many checks. If you could not show fiscal results, we did not have time to deal with your personal issues. But now all of a sudden we're supposed to believe that the most important thing that the senior military officers should be talking about in this month or any other month is personal sexual behavior. Let me just be very blunt here. If you are confused about whether or not you are a little boy or a little girl, perhaps the United States military is not the place for you. And look, I was in the Army when we had the don't ask, don't tell uh, in the Clinton administration. All of a sudden that got changed. There are some issues about that, sexual harassment issues no one wants to talk about, but it's there. And again, why are we trying to accommodate personal sexual behavior? I thought the mission of the military was to bring people in. We're, we're, we're making a team. We're not supposed to be worried about personal sexual behaviors or proclivities or things of this nature. So why are we talking about these things? Why do we have people in the military that are saying that, you know, they're going to protect dependent children and provide them with, quote, unquote, gender affirming care? No, you know, all you're doing is mutilating the child. And show me where it says that taxpayer dollars are supposed to be going to mutilating children who are dependents of military servicemen and women. Our taxpayer dollars are supposed to be going to making sure we have a trained, prepared, and ready-to-deploy organization, military. Not to have a military where we just saw a recent, uh, I think it was the Chief of Naval Operations, testify before, I think, the House Armed Services Committee. They don't have enough amphibious shipping to deploy Marines. Hmm. What is the major mission of the United States Marine Corps? To deploy and conduct amphibious operations? Hmm. But we don't have enough amphibious craft to enable the Marines to do their core competency, their core mission? Hmm. But yet, you're telling me we need to be worried about funding gender mutilation surgeries and hormonal therapies and puberty blockers for kids, dependent kids. No. It's not me being a hater. That's not me being a bigot. That's me being a realist. That's me talking about what the mission of the military is. And if that's something that's important to you, maybe you should not be in the United States military. Because, again, remember what I said, it's not a right that you get to serve in the military. It's a privilege. 
and there are certain standards that we have. The mission is above you, the individual. But if you think that that is upside down, that's the problem that we get into. Pentagon officials defend diversity and inclusion at a Pride Month event. Uniformed and civilian de Defense Department officials defended LGBTQ+, plus, there it is, alphabet suit mafia again, service members and diversity and inclusion efforts on Wednesday at the Pentagon's annual Pride Month celebration. Diversity and inclusion, meanwhile, comprises much more than efforts to get people in the door of a recruiting center. See, we've got senior military leaders like this Lieutenant General Deanna Burt and others that are saying that, you know, West, you and these other folks that are talking about these things, you're the reason why we don't have people joining the military. I don't think so. I think one of the main reasons that you are struggling with recruiting in the military because no one wants to end up in a body bag like 13 of our service members did in Afghanistan because of the incompetence of the senior level leadership in the United States military. Nobody wants to be in the military where everything is focused on equity, the equality of outcomes, instead of the equality of opportunity. See, when I was a young lieutenant, and I made the commandant's list of the field artillery officer basic course at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, I was selected to go to one of the premier units in the United States Army. It was the 509th Parachute Infantry Regiment Airborne Battalion Combat Team at that time in Vicenza, Italy. It ended up becoming the 4th Battalion, 325th Airborne Battalion Combat Team. But it was the only airborne unit located in Europe. And so I had to go not just to airborne school, but in order to be an officer in that unit, I had to go to jump master school right after airborne school. Now, I want you to understand something. I only had five jumps, <laughs> five, one, two, three, four, five. And I had to go to jump master school in order to meet the standard to deploy and be in this unit, even though I, that was my assignment. If I didn't pass jump master school, I was not going to get the assignment. And I'm in a class with guys that have, you know, 200 jumps, Special Forces captains, guys from the Ranger Regiment, all, all these guys have been in airborne units, and I show up a five-jump chump. That's what they call me. They didn't change the standards. There was no talk about equity. There was no talk about, hey, you know, he's black, and uh, we probably need to make sure he passes because they need a black lieutenant over there in the Airborne Battalion of Vicenza, Italy. Nope. I had to meet all the standards. I had to go through and conduct what is called a JMPI, Jump Master Personnel Inspection, of three paratroopers, one in, in, in just straight parachute, then the other who had combat gear with their parachute equipment, and I had to do all of those jumpers, I believe, in three minutes and 30 seconds, and I had to find out all of the gigs that were wired into their jump master jump equipment and their parachutes. I had to call them out by the right nomenclature when I saw those deficiencies, and I had to follow the right sequence of the inspection, or else I was done. I remember coming home with a parachute harness and everything and putting it on my little brother in Atlanta, Georgia. And just rehearsing, 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 rehearsing. Because it wasn't about equity. 
It was about equality of opportunity. And now all of a sudden, you know, the whole thing is about diversity and inclusion at the Pride Month event. The Pentagon officials are talking about that. Navy Commander Emily Schilling, one of the highest ranking openly transgender officers in the military, came out two days after then President Donald Trump's ban on transgender troops went into effect. For Schilling, inclusion for transgender service members is a matter of life and death. Schilling is talking about, well, if you don't allow us to serve, we're going to commit suicide. Well, that's what she said. Schilling told the audience Wednesday that over the course of the two years that the transgender ban was in place, 31 transgender service members died by suicide. In the two years after the ban was revoked, the number dropped to two. They didn't die of suicide because of a ban. They died of suicide because they suffer from a mental condition. Now, if we are putting members of the military out because they are overweight or they can't come in because they have flat feet or whatever, then why are we having people in with a mental condition that are confused about whether or not they're a little boy or a little girl? And why then are we turning around and telling the American taxpayer that you got to fund their medical condition, their mental condition? Which no one forced them to have. I mean, I, I, I look, stop. I, I mean, we all remember Corporal Klinger from MASH. And Corporal Klinger dressed up that way because he wanted to try to show that he was crazy so he could get sent back home. Oh, Colonel West, come on, let them serve. Let, no. A standard is a standard is a standard. Not everyone is supposed to be able to serve. You know, there are the other things you can do. You can do the Peace Corps. You can do the Forestry Service. There are many things. I want the best of the best of the best of the best in the United States military. I've been a commander. Commanders don't have time to worry about individual sexual proclivities and problems and issues. They need to be focused on training the men and women under their command. Sergeant Major of the Army. The top enlisted leader shot back at criticism of a post from the 82nd Airborne Division. 82nd Airborne Division. I mean, Jumping Jim Gavin and, and Matthew Richway probably freaking out in their graves. But the 82nd Airborne Division celebrating, here we go again, LGBTQ plus IA Alphabet Soup Mafia members in a two-day Twitter battle. The, 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 the top enlisted man in the United States military the top dog, Command Sergeant Major of the Army, is going back and forth on Twitter for two days? Maybe he's trying to defend something that shouldn't be defended. Anyhow, Twitter users, many of whom describe themselves as veterans in their account bios, mocked the 82nd Airborne Division's Friday morning posts, kick-started the unit's observance of Pride Month. And let me tell you something. When I was a paratrooper, my pride came in putting on that maroon beret because that said I was a cut above. I was a United States Army paratrooper. Pride didn't come in with who you slept with. Or pride didn't come from your gender confusion. Pride came in the fact that I met the standard. I exceeded the standard, and I was serving my country. Sergeant Major Michael Grinston the Army's top enlisted leader responsible for morale and discipline issues in the service, condemned the criticism as harassment 
and shot back at tweets through Saturday morning that senior military leaders have not shied away from wearing in, weighing in on America's cultural controversies. Our senior military leaders should not be weighing in on cultural controversies. Our senior military leaders should be making sure that our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, Coast Guards, and Space Force E's, they're ready to deploy to fight to win. That's it. You know, the 82nd Airborne Division's tweet recommended Army families, get this, the 82nd Airborne Division, all American, recommended Army families check out a book called A Survival Guide for Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, and Questioning Teens, as well as another that describes how parents can learn to support their LGBTQ plus IA child from the on-base library. These titles are intended for ages 13 and up. I raised two daughters in the military. They didn't think about any of this stuff. None of the kids I remember playing thought about any of this stuff. They were just out there playing. You know what was the greatest amount of pride that I had for the kids, my two daughters especially, but when at 1,700 hours, 1,730, 1,800 hours, end of the day, when you hear colors, they stopped. And they knew where the center of the installation, I'll never forget, Fort Hood, Texas. And they faced to the center, and they stood quiet at attention, knowing that the flag was being lowered. That's something to take pride in with your children. Not telling your children they need to go and get a book called A Survival Guide for LGBTQ whatever teens. Why is the United States military pushing an ideological agenda and using taxpayer funds to do that? It's unconstitutional. So to all of these senior military leaders, to the Department of Defense, and to Navy Commander Emily Schilling, who I don't know what you were, but you're still a guy, because that's what your DNA will, will, will say. If you were to pass out or lose your life, the medical examiner is going to denounce you as a male or female. Years from now, when you're someone digs up your bones it's going to be male or female so we're just making stuff up in our military service members did not die because the service shows pride love and rainbows Schilling said pride saves lives and pride is a testament that the LGBTQ plus IA community endures and will endure pride in who you are as an American as a soldier, sailor, airman, marine, coast guardsman, space force E. That's what saves lives. Training saves lives. We had a motto of the 18th Field Artillery Brigade Airborne. It was sweat saves blood. Not silly ideological agendas. Which is what this whole thing is. Five or so years ago, none of this was happening in the United States military. Why all of a sudden is it happening now? 
the progressive socialist left has always wanted to undermine and to break down what they saw was the last great bastion of traditional values, standards, mores. That was the United States military. And thanks to the useful idiots who wear uniforms and have stars on their shoulders, they're being enabled to do just that. That's not going to stop a bullet. That's not going to deter our number one geopolitical foe who's not focused on ideological agendas or individual sexual behaviors or proclivities. I don't think a single Chinese command sergeant major, general officer, or admiral, or naval commander is out there talking about some LGBTQIA plus agenda. They're training to kick our ass. They're not worrying about calling people sir or ma'am. They're not worrying about the right type of pronouns. They're not worrying about gender dysphoric drag queen recruiters. They're training for global hegemonic dominance, which is why China is looking at putting a surveillance station and also a military installation just about 100 miles off the coast of the United States of America in Cuba. They already have port facilities that they built in Jamaica and the Bahamas. They're already buying up land all across the United States of America. Some of the places, such as here in Texas, they bought land right next to Laughlin Air Force Base, which is one of the premier training bases for Air Force fighter pilots. That's what they're doing. But what are we doing? We're talking about cultural Marxism, diversity, equity, inclusion, and alphabet soup mafia ideological agendas. One of the most important things that the next commander-in-chief of the United States military forces has to do is to get our military back focused on what their core mission and competencies, capability, and capacity truly is to be. It ain't fair to be in the military. It's a discriminatory organization. But that's what standards mean. And that's why, as George Orwell said, a nation sleeps peacefully at night because rough men stand ready to do violence on her behalf. And some rough women. Not no non-binary and all this other nonsense. That this current administration and senior military leaders have adopted. We need to get back to old school. Training, fighting, and winning. Steadfast and loyal.
before they burn it down.